0: I'm Zev, and this is episode four of the Father and Son of Finances podcast. This episode is all about investment jargon or explaining fancy words that investment professionals use.
1: So, Zev, you know, working in the industry of, you know, certain words that, that, are, that are commonplace for a professional like myself to use um, often isn't really understood by most people. So I think it's worthwhile us discussing a lot of different investment concepts, words that you might hear, and try explain them as best we can um, in a very simple way. Obviously, you can Google these, these concepts and, and really unpack them in more in depth. But this podcast is really just to give everyone a bit of a feel for some of these words. And then obviously, when we continue to talk about investments, uh, these words won't be as foreign to, to our listeners.
0: So that I've heard the word compound interest, what does it mean?
1: So that's a great question because compound interest is probably one of the most important concepts that we need to learn about. Now, we really need to back a few steps behind and and talk about investment returns, the concept of simple interest, and then we can unpack compound interest. So when you make an investment or thinking about investments, you really think about how are you going to generate a return? Now, that return might be coming from dividends. It might be from the a company's share price going up. It might be coming from putting your money in the bank and earning interest or um, or getting a return from the bank on your on your capital. So a simple interest calculation, an example, would be if you put 100 Rand in the bank and you were earning 10% interest, after one year, you'd receive 110 Rand. Okay. Now, compound interest is when that interest is being uh, added onto each other over multiple time periods. So, the idea is, in the first year, you would invest 100 and earn 10 Rand, and then you'd be left with 110 Rand. In the next year, you would then invest the full 110, and you'd earn 10% interest on that, and get the number would be 11 Rand of interest, so you'd go to 121. Now you can see in the second year, you earn an extra one Rand because you earn interest on your capital, being the hundred, as well as interest on the interest, and hence the word compound interest because it's compounding interest on top of the interest and of one. So the idea of compound interest is a very powerful idea because over multiple years, what you'll see is you pick up the, the idea that interest on interest on interest actually creates a much much larger return than if you just got a simple interest calculation i.e you just invested earned 10 took your 10 and spent it and then got 10 the next year and 10 the next year you'd only after 10 years get 100 in your tens whereas if you reinvested your your hundred would become 110 then 121 then 132 and so on so you'd see it actually compounding or growing and and it's Quite an, exp- quite an exponential type of um, growth in that it, it it grows and grows and grows in the and and on itself. And what you find is that the the interest is it becomes extremely large. So there's a, a story of would you rather have a a bag f- full of a million rand, or if you took a chessboard and you put one cent on the first p- um, square and then you doubled it every square, so it became two cents, four cents, eight cents, and so on what you. You'd actually add, land up with a much, much larger number because each time you're doubling, it's compounding on itself and you're actually getting a much, much larger amount. So that's the power of compounding. And, and Albert Einstein was actually quoted as saying or was inf- infamously quoted as saying, um, "The most powerful force in the universe is compound interest because it just it's, it's so big.
0: So Dad, you talked about interest on cash. So what is the difference between returns on investment and interest on cash?
1: So is there, an interest on cash is generally a guaranteed investment that you'd get from the bank when you put money on deposit with them and they would quote an interest rate. Whereas a, a return on your investment is a sim, similar concept, but you are taking some risk in investing in somebody's company or on a share price. And therefore, you'd look at those returns in a, in, in a similar way to think about interest on cash. But those returns might come in the way of a dividend and then we can talk about dividend yields and dividend yield is similar to an interest return. So a dividend yield is the same idea as that 10% if you earned 10 Rand of interest on 100 Rand you'd take your 10 and divide it by 100 and say it's a 10% um, interest return whereas if you were to get a dividend from from a share of 10 Rand and your share was worth 100 Rand then the yield on your share would be 10 over 100, which is also 10%. And you also might get an actual total return where the share price may move from, let's say, 10 to 110, so the growth of 10. So that movement of 10 over 100 would be considered your investment return on a capital base. And if you got a dividend, you'd actually have been received 10 Rand in dividend. You'd also receive 10 Rand growth in your share price moving from 100 to 110. So you actually grew from 100 to 120 because you got that dividend. And then your return would actually be 20 over 100, which would be a 20% total return made up of 10% coming from a capital return or investment, as well as 10% coming from a, a dividend yield.
0: So Dad, you're using some words that not all of our listeners might know the definition of, but like, what is a capital, what are dividends?
1: So thanks there for, for stopping me, because obviously I get quite um, involved and passionate about these concepts. And even... For me, the jargon becomes quite natural. So, And jargon is really just words that a professional would use. Um, and so when I talk about capital, I mean this is the money that you started off. You went and we, we talked about budgeting and savings, So now you've saved 100 Rand. So 100 Rand is your capital. And that's what we want to learn to invest. So we're going to take that 100 and we're either going to invest it by putting it in a bank earning interest, or we're going to put it into a share and hopefully get some sort of return from that share. And when I talk about dividend, it's really the cash that a company would pay. So remember, when you're buying a share of a company, a share listed in the stock market, it seems like this is just this funny little thing that you're trading in. But actually, what you're doing is you're buying a share, a piece of a company. And by buying a piece of a company, you own that company, but you also own the the, the earnings of the company. And what would happen generally is, the a company within the the management of the company. Once you've earned over a year, they would actually declare a dividend, which is they, they declare some of their divi- their earnings and pay it to shareholders. And that's really a very important part of why you want to be a shareholder. You want to you want to have a, a say in that business, but you also want to you have that earnings over time. And and that's probably the most important concept when thinking about uh, investing in a company because. It's all about the earnings. Often people buy a share for the share price to go up, and it's actually not what you're buying. You're buying a piece of a business, and you're actually wanting to get the earnings. And the way you actually value the company is to try and look into the future and see what that earnings would look like. So when I would say an earnings profile means a uh, what earnings would look like over time in the future. So this year maybe the company pays me ten. Next year the company pays me. 11, the next year the company is paying me 12 and so on and you actually want to look at it into perpetuities and I'm going to use the word perpetuity. Now perpetuity means forever, for all of time. So um, it's a long time for all of time but basically what you're trying to understand is how much is that company worth and what is all its earnings into the future worth. Now I'm going to ask you something and see if you can uh, explain a very important concept is would you rather have me give you 10 rand today or would you rather me give you 10 rand in five years time?
0: So I'd rather take the 100 rand right now because then I would be able to put it into a bank account and then I could let it sit over time and then in the next five years I could end up with a, whole, a lot more cash.
1: Well exactly so you've explained a, a very important concept called time value of money, where is as money is worth more today than it is worth tomorrow, because you have the ability to take your money, put it, give it to somebody else, either as an investment or to give it to the bank, and they will give you interest, and therefore, in a year's time or in five years time, you're gonna have your capital that we, we talked about, the investment that you had, and you would have the interest that you would have earned over the five years, because if I only gave you the money in five years time then you would actually have not have had the benefit of the interest so in fact 100 rand today if the interest rate is 10 is worth 110 tomorrow which means if i gave you 100 tomorrow it's actually only worth about 91 rand today because you've you would 90 rand plus call it 9 rand of interest gets you to about 100 so The present, what we call is a present value calculation. So we talk about the present value of money that is coming tomorrow. So when we're looking at investments, we try to value those investments over time. And we're going to look at all the dividends or earnings that the company is going to pay us over the next five years. And then that is going to, we want to actually present value. You want to take all those earnings out into the future and bring them in to the, to the current time period. Now, imagine we we're talking about five years time, but 100 Rand in 100 years time is probably worth very little today. Because over time, you, you, you'd you probably have to put a few Rand, two or three Rand down to get 100 Rand in, in 100 years time. So therefore, earnings far, far out from a company, 100 years time, theoretically, is not worth that lot a lot, whereas the next year's earnings and the earning, earnings over, there, say, the next five years of a company becomes very important. And that's when you're looking at valuing companies, there's a concept called a discounted cash flow. So what we do is we discount the cash flow with present value, bring all the, the money that we would have earned of that from the business, and we look at it over the next five years, and we discount it. And And then what we generally do is the fifth year's earnings or the sixth year's earnings, we actually... Just look at it and say, call it create what we call a terminal value. It's kind of tries to calculate all the all the earnings over the next, you know, into perpetuity forever. But then say, call it the next hundred years. You try to create a one number. And generally, what you do is it's it's really dividing by a yield, okay, and and the kind of return you'd want or the capital value you would believe that you could get in five years' time for that investment. Now, so this is quite a lot of concepts. There's a lot of maths behind it. Um, and it's important for the listeners to go and research the idea of a discounted cash flow terminal value when thinking about investments. But it is a complex kind of concept that is is not something we need to discuss in detail on this uh, podcast.
0: So, Dad, you've been talking a lot about return, but when there's always return, there's always a risk. Like, what are the risks?
1: So, exactly that. I mean, when we talk about returns we often talk about we've been talking about cash returns when we invest our money in the bank so we would call that a risk-free return because there's not much risk that we're taking um, you know the, as long as the bank is uh, willing to pay us a, a guaranteed investment or guaranteed interest rate uh, we take very little risk there so when we talk about returns when we're looking at investments it's really that rit- risk o- premium or premium means um, more you know being paid to take on more risk relative to, to the interest rate or the bank rate, and and the, what we would call the risk-free rate. In fact, the risk-free rate isn't the bank rate, it's actually the government's rate because they can print money. So because the South African government can print money, um, they determine the, the risk-free rate, then the bank would only give you a, a slightly, uh, would demand a premium rate because there's a bit of risk there, and um, and then we would expect even a more higher return on our money, for uh, when we invest in companies or we doing something um, a little bit more riskier so there's this concept of risk versus return okay and if we would plot it on a, a graph and you plot all the the risk you know low risk on the the horizontal on the lower part of the graph being low risk and then going up more becoming more and more risky investments and then you would you'd expect that your return would go up as as you went more risky so it's almost a diagonal. So as you're you're using more and more risk, you're getting more and more return. Um, And that's a simple concept of risk risk versus return. And if you actually graft it, there's a concept called an efficient frontier. And what you want to be doing is you actually want to be at that top of that that curve. You don't want to be taking investments where you could get the same investment for a, a lower risk, or you could get for the same risk a higher return. So if you think of it in terms of uh, two investments, one is a very low risk, low return, okay? And another one is a low risk, but it's got a high return. Which would you prefer to take?
0: The low risk, high return?
1: The low risk, high return. Because you're taking the same amount of risk, but you're getting more return. And what about if you've got two investments that have the same return, but one's got a low risk, while the other one's got a high return? Which would you take? The low risk, low return, or low, high-risk, low-return.
0: Well, I would much, much rather take the low-risk, low-return.
1: Exactly, Zev. So you'd want to take, for the same amount of return, you'd obviously want to take the lowest risk. And, and that's really part of what you want to do as a strategy for investments. You either want to be looking for, what you really want to be looking for is low-risk investments that have high returns. Now, that is obviously um, not always the case. So you then either want to take increase your risk, but then you want to be rewarded for that and get a very good return for it, or you would look to try to reduce your risk and get the same return at least for it. And in a certain way, you can't always uh, generate more return, uh, but what you can do is often reduce risk. So by understanding the businesses you're investing in, by making sure you enter at the right price point, what you're able to do is create that margin of safety we spoke about to ensure that you actually understand what you're doing. And therefore your return, um, you might be the same, but you choosing the option with the the least amount of risk. Now, this whole concept around a risk return is called uh, the portfolio optimization. And the idea is to try and create a combination of the right investments to create the, the, the best return risk profile. And you want to live on what I call the efficient frontier because what happens if you've got a low risk, low return or a high risk, high return? Which investment would you choose then?
0: They're both almost the same thing. But I would rather take a low risk, low return because not much risk.
1: So you're right. It's a bit of a, it's it's a trick question. Okay. Because you, a low risk, low return or a high risk, high return is really your preference. They're both. Would be let's say at that efficient frontier on the on you could either choose one or the other there's no right answer and it's really your personal preference now you've said you want low risk low return and i think that's a good option when you're learning starting to learn to do investments to really be conservative with your savings initially until you're comfortable that you've got a good um, understanding of what investments you've got but i think it's very important at your age um, at, once you do have a confidence in the investments that you do that you're making, that you start taking more higher risk, higher return type investments because you have time on your side. So you can take a few risks now while you're young. If things don't work out exactly how they planned, you still got a lot of time to to build up your wealth. Whereas as people get older and now they've built up their wealth, they've worked their careers, they, they aren't going to earn that much more income. They, they don't want to be risking too much then. So then they want to be on the lower lower risk, lower return, when you're older like your grandparents, whereas for someone young like yourself, certainly when you're starting out, let's save our money, we've worked hard to save money, let's not go too risky. But once we can get some confidence, we've done a few investments, we've learned the process, then we should be more comfortable to take a higher risk, higher return opportunities because you have time, because you are younger. Now, As I said, there's no right or wrong answer, but there is one other concept when we're talking about portfolio optimization that there's risk, return, and there's a third R, what I call relationship. Often it's called the correlation between two investments. And and what it's really talking about is how two investments uh, together might react differently. And because they behave differently, um, they actually de-risks your portfolio. So by having two investments that behave very differently, allows you to actually create a portfolio or a combination of two investments that is actually less risky uh, because their relationships act in different ways. Um, and, and that's quite a, a neat concept because what that does is you can reduce your, your risk by what they call diversification, um, which is the idea of having more than one thing that's giving you uh, less exposure. So this is, Have you ever heard the idea of don't put all your eggs in one basket? Okay. Yeah. So putting all your eggs in one basket is a concept of uh, we went to collect eggs at the farm. We put them all in one basket. We then were walking down to, to, to the farmhouse and we tripped and we dropped all our eggs and they were all smashed. Right? You don't want to smash all your eggs in one shot. So imagine you put don't put all your eggs in one basket. and You have a few baskets and then you trip. Well, you're only going to lose one basket with a few eggs in it. Not going to lose all your eggs. And that's a very important concept when we're talking about investments. When we talk about our capital of hundred. don't want to put all your full hundred in something risky and then you lose all your capital now you don't have any capital so it's better to put 10 10 10 in you know in 10 different investments where they're all behaving slightly differently and then what it means is if one investment for whatever reason you've done your research not always does you know risk means not that sometimes in the future not every investment you're going to do is going to work out exactly the way you've planned and if things change maybe you lose a little bit of money in one investment, but your other non-investments look after you. Um, and that's the kind of the idea of uh, diversification. However, um, lastly on diversification, a lot of people diversify so much that all they do is they're buying the index. They're basically buying the market. You, you're getting rid of any opportunity to actually create a, a better return because You've got too many. When you've got a 1,000 investments in your investment portfolio, well, you've bought nothing. You've done no research. You're just buying everything. And that's also a bad concept. And I think people misunderstand diversification as lots of different things. Lots of things. With me, it's not lots of things. It's actually lots of different things that have behaved differently. And that's why I use that R as relationship. Because they have to behave differently. So buying 10 of the same, you know, doesn't help you, um, you know, you're not, uh, putting all your eggs in 10 different baskets, but then carrying all 10 baskets together and running down the street and then falling and smashing all 10 baskets at the same time is not any form of diversification because you've got the same things. Might as well put them all in one, in one basket. It's the idea of keeping your basket separate, going to pick them up and carrying them at different points in time so that you don't um, fall over and smash all your eggs in one shot. Um, as a, as an idea. So I think we've dealt with a lot of jargon words, a lot of these ideas of concept and investments, specifically with investments, ideas like diversification, ideas like risk and return, compound interest. And, and I think that gives us a good setting to really now start delving into um, some investment ideas and, and other concepts.
0: So that, I think that's a good way to end the podcast. We encourage all our listeners to listen to search up these words um, we'll put them in the, the description below. And if you have any questions, you can email us at maris.chapiro at gmail.com. So thank you all to the listeners for listening to episode 4 of the Father and Son Finances Podcast.